Chaos to Cured podcast is here to explain our perspective of the human experience. We hope it leads to questions, learning, wisdom, and knowledge. Welcome to Chaos to Cured podcast. Jeffrey Freed and Kirkpatrick Meller here today. And we want to talk about something really important, which is um, calm. It's a superpower, in my opinion, and something that, um, you know, with time and, you know, uh, certainly if you're working with a mental health therapist, you can work on cognitive, uh, you know, uh, behavioral therapy. Um, we know with neuroplasticity, we're able to retrain how our brain functions, how we think. Um, so it, it, it's something that's really enhanced my life in the last couple of years. Um, and it's something I really would have liked to have more help on earlier. Um, so being able to stay calm keeps us, you know, thinking a little more clearly, not a little more clearly, but a lot more clearly. Um, it keeps us from making rash actions. And it's something that, you know, I often, um, you know, caused problems because I couldn't remain calm. Um, there are times when I was unable to before, you know, um, I took my path towards, you know, needing medication and there's no shame in, in taking medication at all either. So but we'll talk about uh, some different things that we've seen from uh, young ones we've worked with uh, to adults that we work with. Uh, again, Jeffrey Freed, wonderful book that he wrote, Right Brain Children and Left Brain World. Uh, please, you know, check that out if you're dealing with any child with ADHD or certainly uh, anyone on the spectrum. There's a lot of good stuff in there that still applies. Um, so, you know, Jeffrey, uh, I, I love it. I kind of throw you in the fire pit every week um, and we do this. So why don't you jump in and, and give me kind of your take on um, what you've seen from, you know, individuals you've worked with, um, schools. Uh, situations and just some examples of why it's important to stay calm. Well, that's something that's quite familiar with. Um, virtually, again, I, those who listen to a lot of these podcasts, I pretty much always start out with um, I'm a specialist in working with people with ADD, bipolar, and definitely autism. I don't really, I work a little with the behavior, obviously, because you have to, but I do a lot of. Um, teaching these folks who are virtually all vis visual to use their visual strengths to cover their sequential weaknesses. But in the people that I work with, confidence is, um, and calmness is everything. You gotta realize that if somebody has, is on the spectrum um, or has ADD, they have an overexcited nervous system. Um, book after book, about autism just talks about how um, the people who are wired this way have an overexcited brain and the electrical activity can be measured and it's way higher than neurotypicals. So of course they get stressed easily. Um, they're pretty much, the, the folks I work with pretty much are, are um, stressed out all the time and anxious. The number one symptom, the one, number one uh, I guess debilitating symptom is anxiety. It's a killer in this population. And of course, people like this feel more 
they have more exaggerated, intense senses. So they have a tendency to be more anxious than other people. It's that heightened sensitivity, um, anxiousness, fear of the future, um, fear of being surprised. And when you are taken out of the game by tenseness and anxiety, you can't do anything. Now, if you're a neurotypical and think mostly in words and steps, it's not good to have test anxiety, but it's not fatal. You can still come out with name, rank, and serial number, go back into your head, which processes mostly in words, and get those thoughts down on paper, try to get it back by writing. Um, plus, you, if for neurotypicals, there's a strong correlation between how well they know stuff and how quickly they can spit it out. All the folks that I work with who think mostly in images and think quickly, um, but have trouble translating those visual images into words and, and, and like tests. Tests are an anxiety producing phenomenon for everybody, but for the folks I work with, they seemingly all have test anxiety. Some don't, the ones that are super, super brilliant and just kind of have a quiet confidence in their intelligence. They're good under tests, but that's not very many people. I'm guessing maybe 15% of the people I work with can do that. The rest, um, they stress out, they're anxious all the time when they're taking tests or making decisions, like whether to pass a car on the left or not. Anxiety gets in the way and they can't process logically or in any satisfactory manner because they're so filled with dress, dress, yeah, so filled with stress. And that can be pretty dangerous. Um, it's one of the reasons why people with ADD, mostly people with ADD, are in trouble all the time, those that are, because they get anxious, they get stressed, they don't use logic, and they just go into their powerful emotions and do what they want to do at the time, and then end up ruining it later. So I think one of the major things that society can do and schools can do is eliminate time to test. Just tell the students, you got an hour, do the best that you can. And if any of you need extra time, I'll make time available for you to come in and finish the test. And that would work. Verbal testing works. And then teaching people you know, with ADD in particular, it's a very simple technique. You simply lift your eyes up because you'll find that if you lift your eyes up, you will find it almost impossible to be anxious. Your eyes want to come down and go inside where the anxiety is. So lifting your eyes up, breathe deeply and try to do a thing where if you breathe in four seconds, you breathe out eight a couple of times, get the carbon dioxide out and deal with um, hyperventilation and then attack the tests. If it's a test, you attack the tests in a way where you kind of go to the ones that you know the answer to and get them right. And again, if you know you're not being timed on a strict time basis, you're much more likely to do this because you have time to do it. So many of the people I work with can't take tests with other people in the room, they hear the other people breathing, 
They hear them licking a pencil. They hear the clock. They panic. And they lose complete confidence in their ability to calm themselves. Another huge thing that I've done that is absolutely, I swear, saved my life is the app Calm. And there are others that do this, other apps that do that. History and science has, has told me, anyway, that if you visualize and relax, like listening, listen to a relaxing, calm um, audio, and you do it about three weeks in a row and don't miss a night, and it's very pleasant, it's really easy to fall asleep to, that after a while, when it becomes a habit, you can just go back in your head and remember the feeling of being calm. And what, what doctors say is what happens is that the brain, the brain, the blood is flowing. You're, when you're panicking, it's flowing to the heart to protect it against, you know, severe wounds, fight or flight. And the brain's not using it, which makes you go blank when you're, when you're stressed out. If you can get the blood back into the brain by doing relaxing meditation that you basically know how to do and can tap into any time, and you don't have time constraints, make a huge difference. If worse comes to worse, you teach people with ADD and those on the spectrum, never trust ideas that seem that you, that's kind of are impulsive. And you can count to 10, and you can basically look at it, look, lift your eyes up, cast your eyes heavenward, breathe, and then go back and look at it after 10 seconds. And again, you'll be able to do this if people in your life don't stress you out with time tests. And you will be so much better. Once you establish some success and the, and the person knows that they have the ability to stop the panic and the anxiety, Everything is right. You don't even really need to worry about time tests after a while because it's not, it's, it's, the, it's the time element that is so stressful. And what it does is it throws people completely off their game. If you eliminate that and you still have a time constraint, but you have time built in, it's more, you have much more time and you can come in and finish it later. And you can do that with with most things in life. Don't, if you feel something in your soul that is, you kind of recognize as impulsive, don't do it. Think about it. Stick those eyes up, breathe, and I think you'll make a different decision, Kirk. Oh, I love that. Well, and th there were a couple other things I didn't want to interrupt at all because um, you were hitting some points that I thought were really vital. Um, testing time oh, is a big one uh, for me. And, you know, I see that in um, the little ones I work with, uh, especially with regards to performance um, and testing. I mean, constantly. Um, and uh, again, like you said, um, I kind of want to explain to a few, you know, if you're a parent listening to this or you're a teacher, it can be really frustrating because a lot of times when um, I would lose my calm, but, you know, people would look at me like, what, what happened? You know, to me, it was an earth shattering moment. Right. 
And to everyone else in the world, it was, you know, uh, no big deal. The best, one of the best examples I can give is um, the Madison Square Garden, uh, the Mouse and the Palace uh, with Ron Artest. Uh, when, I, when I was watching uh, when I was younger and uh, it happened, um, I think I was too young to even know. I don't think I was diagnosed. I'm trying to think when it was. Uh, but regardless, long story short, he was lying down. He was not lying in an appropriate place and a fan threw like a cup and it hit him. You know, by the time the cup got there, I'm guessing, you know, it didn't weigh that much. Um, and this is a big guy who gets like hit by, you know, seven foot tall, you know, giant big men all the time. So, you know, that, that didn't cause harm. And he ran up into the crowd and, it started to fight. I mean, there's a Netflix special about it. Um, so, you know, that moment to everyone else, they saw like this person that ran to the stands. That's one of the best visuals that people can look up. That's how I felt. So a lot of times something would hit me and it was like, I had all this stress built up from other things. Um, and there's too much uh, you know, time I'm worried about pleasing this teacher and pleasing this teacher. And one person wants it in the book. One person wants it on, you know, test paper or on, you know, and I have to constantly adjust, which is hard with OCD. That was really difficult for me to do change for every single teacher. Um, and rooms, you know, that was also a struggle. So things would build up throughout the day. And, same thing at work, same thing with family, wherever the location was where um, things would settle down and I wasn't in survival mode, um, I would explode. So I, I often would lose it when we went on vacation. Um, I which, and I, I know that part of the reason, as I look backwards, it wasn't because, you know, my, we were on vacation or I wasn't happy there. Um, it was a change on top. So it was an added stressor, but I didn't have like a con, con or a constant bombardment of this test needs to be done or this paper and this and this and this. And when I had time to like sit back, then all of a sudden, you know, I didn't even know how to calm down. The, the other thing is, you know, a lot of times um, people would say to me, you know, just calm down. And I don't think I would ever become more livid when, than when somebody says that, because of course I wasn't able to control it. And in all honesty, you know, I think every person who said that to me was well-meaning. If I really look back objectively, every person who ever told me, listen, you got to calm down. They all were correct. Like a hundred percent. Because it takes a lot for somebody to kind of, you know, come up to a stranger and say, listen, you got to calm down. Like, you know, you're causing a scene. So I would do that quite often in random places, you know, and my family had to deal with it. Teachers constantly had to deal with it. Those poor teachers. And, um, you know, I couldn't control it. So if you have a student that's losing it and they absolutely can't, one of the best things that you can do is just not react. Very Simply true. Just simply yelling back fuels everything. And it, um, and 
I kind of explain this because, you know, um, of course, uh, you know, and Jeffrey, tell me if this sounds kind of familiar. A lot of times what would happen for me um, is that I would lose it and I knew I was out of line. So what I would do is I had to search for some reason why my, my explosion that was objectively like ridiculous was valid. So what I would do is, um, you know, build stuff up in my head. I would get to the point where I was even, I wouldn't say paranoid, um, but I would lock my feet in because I had a choice between, and this is cognitive dissonance in some ways. Um, I love that psychological phenomenon, but not in this instance, but I could choose either that I was correct in my reaction and the other people were around me were wrong, or I could choose that I was incorrect and that I was foolish and I needed to apologize. And when the explosions were so radical, it would put me in a situation where I had a hard time even kind of trying to understand why I did what I did. I yeah, know. Something in. Uh, it's, relevant. It, it's very relevant. The other thing that you did was catastrophize virtually everyone I know who fits this moniker of ADD and/or um, autism. They absolutely think they've created. You know, when they lose it, they feel, "Oh my God, I have lost it." These the people around think I'm crazy. Um, and then they, that makes them more unreasonable. And then when somebody wants to calm them down, it's a reminder that they're not being able to do it themselves. And they just get, they just start going to these really strange places. Like, um, these people will never trust me again. My parents won't love me. Uh, my boss is going to fire me. And that takes me to something that we haven't touched on yet. What do you do? If you are in job interviews and you have this reaction, um, this sensitivity and stress and you go blank and you can't think, because that's a common thing with the people I work with is none of them could, can, well, they can after I work with them, but at the beginning, none of them can um, do job interviews or school interviews. They panic and then they blurt out something that they don't want to say. And then the person, they read the people, the, the interviewer, and they realize it's not going well, and, they, and then they catastrophize. So it's important. I mean, a job, a person that's interviewing you for a job probably isn't going to want to hear something like, I have ADD, and I'm really, really bright, but I'll sometimes react um, inappropriately. They don't want to hear that. So you can't, you can't do it like you could in school and say, hey, I've got a learning difference. Um, I need more time to process. The teacher will almost always give you some kind of accommodations. They're not going to do that at work. And the main thing to remember, that's why you need to do the work beforehand. Most importantly, find some form of audio relaxation. I again, I use calm. I'm not in their pay, they're not paying me to say this. I just know calm really helps me sleep and it helps me. I mean, I, I do it every night. I don't think I've missed a night in four months. And when I'm stressed out, I just remember how it makes me feel. And 
man, does that help in situations? Plus, if you ha- if I have confidence, or if you have confidence, you've done the work, you know you're smart, you know that you're going to be able to do the job. But if you have that confidence, you're going to relax, you're going to visualize, you're going to take more time, you might talk a little slower than most people, but you might put more emphasis in your voice to cover up the slowness. Be sincere, look the person in the eyes, you have to train for it. But most important is that you need to do the work to teach you how to relax. Another quick, um, I guess it would be a sidelight to this, even though I don't see it as a sidelight, is that's why these folks can't sleep. I read a statistic that something like 90% of people on the spectrum have sleep, have insomnia. And of course, that's all the same thing. They can't calm the racing brain. If you have ADD, your brain races. If you have autism, it's less likely, but it, you still have incredible anxiety. But the folks with ADD really have trouble as well with sleep. So find something on the internet. Um, find, I mean, there's more than calm. There's mesmerize, mesmerize. There's other apps. But do that. Even if you have to pay for it, they're not that expensive. Find something that works. Do it religiously. You'll get hooked. And you won't be able to sleep as well if you can't listen to it. And then do it, do it a lot. Most, most people like it. It's such a nice thing to be able to get away from the stress. And that will help. But you can't do a cold turkey. And if you're nervous, you're going to feel like a disaster. And if it turns out to be a disaster, that increases geometrically your chances of it being a disaster the next time. So exactly. I'll build off of that. So, I mean, the, your question on what, you know, what do you do um, to, to stay calm? And um, I've had panic attacks in um, interviews in, you know, and I've been uh, doing performance for forever um, and it was never comfortable. Um, The best example I could give is my hands would always get cold. And you mentioned earlier the anxiety, you know, pulling the the blood towards your heart. Um, Well, of course, they always got cold. It didn't matter. There was one time I had to do a performance and um, there was a little spot outside the green room um, that had like a little ramp. And I could literally just, so I just ran like crazy. And um, I had about five minutes before I went on stage and then I was like in a full tux too, or suit. I don't remember. Uh, but so I knew, and I walked out on stage and then you have these, and I was the only one on stage anyway. So there's massive amount of light. So I'm getting hit by these like old heated lights. They went to fancy LEDs they now have now. But what I remember is I was like overly heated. I felt like I was melting and I was dripping with sweat and my hands still cold. Uh-huh. Um, it told me instantaneously, okay, this is, this is a mental, um, this is, I'm expecting it to be cold. So one of the first things that I, you know, I would tell anybody is, you know, definitely if they are worried about the job interview, 
your expectations, if you're expecting to fail, if you're expecting to walk in there, then it's, you're, you're going to have some struggles. Um, we have like you, and that's why I loved what you said. Uh, you said confidence. So we need that com- We need confidence. And by the way, we mentioned a couple of things. So time and confidence, we just did podcasts on those. So if you haven't heard those, those are, uh, we'll, uh, I think publish that confidence one next week. Um, or the previous week, this will come out later. <laughs> but uh, confidence, you build that up. And then you said, do the work. I love that as a second step, because a lot of times um, I had multiple people that told myself what to do or told me what to do, told my parents. And a lot of times it was hard to be consistent. So, you know, when you deal with an expert and somebody gives you advice, take it to heart, work at it, you know, and especially with a family, some of these things, uh, breathing is absolutely vital. And for me, you know, earlier you had mentioned, um, you know, 90% of the people can't sleep. Um, with uh, autism, you were mentioning there's people on the spectrum. Um, I know that for me, uh, there weren't a lot of great ways um, to get to sleep. I always struggled with that. Uh, one thing that made it way worse was being panicked or going to sleep with anxiety, going to sleep, not knowing what I was supposed to do or having unknowns. So, you know, talk. It, there's, we're all different. So different things are going to set us off, but I do remember, um, you know, of course my sleep was even more disturbed based on, again, like our topic, the ability to stay calm, um, things that have helped me working out consistently, same sleep schedule, making sure you go to bed at the same time, wake up at the same time. It doesn't matter if you're on vacation, doesn't matter if it's a day off, just always do that. Um, another big one for me is, you know, limiting alcohol is, has been very beneficial for me. Cause I think I used it more therapeutically, um, which it's a horrible therapy, you know, it takes a toll on your body and it doesn't continue to work as well. Right. So it exacerbates um, everything. Exactly. So what happens, it, it, well, what, let me, let me throw this in and I'll give you, I'll give it right back to you. What happens with alcohol is it calms you, you it promotes serotonin, and you start to feel smart, you relax, and then it drops it precipitously when it starts to wear off, and you crave more, and you need more, and evidently what it does is it leaves you completely bereft of blood sugar, the ability to focus, the serotonin is dropped below where it should be. And it's a disaster. I stopped that a long time ago, and I'm much, much better off for it. Um, yeah, that's fatal. Go ahead. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Go ahead. No, it's it's really important for people to know, you know, because it it, it feels like it works. And the the problem with um, that is, and and just you know, so people understand, you know, with OCD and generalized anxiety i take a benzodiazepine so you know doing you know alcohol on top of that is extremely dangerous so please always consult your physician but um one of the things that 
um, I actually noticed is if I have, let's say, two, three glasses of wine, um, and I took uh, my medication consistently, always at the same time, about 48, 24 to 48 hours later, I typically started having slight panic attacks. They weren't as big, but I could, I could start relying on those happening. So it drops big time. So, you know, that definitely, it does not help. And, you know, one of the things is, you know, with confidence to build confidence um, and to get calm, some of the things that um, I had to do to even be able to learn to be calm was get medicated. There's nothing wrong with being on medication. And what happened was that medication allowed me the ability just long enough to start kind of figuring out what might help me calm down. And then I could try to practice it because if you're not in that state that you can even practice it, it's not going to happen. Well, you, yeah, can't you can't do the work. You can't, you can't so, do it. You can't, you, can't re- you can't repeat what you've never experienced. Exactly. Perfectly stated. And that it's so frustrating because all I wanted to do was be good. I wanted to be the best worker. I wanted to be great, a great human being. And I always ended up being aggressive, mean, you know, um, you know, I'd lose track of every, I mean, my list of what I was, um, is long, but it also shaped me. So I'm thankful for the things I went through and that's very important too. And be patient with yourself as you're going through this process. Um, for me, the, the calm, you know, make sure if you're say a job interview was such a great question uh, for me, change your perspective. That is something very powerful that um, I try to, to teach when I'm working with somebody. Um, and that's like, if you're going to be out and presenting a project or um, in any kind of presentation in front of a bunch of people, we always think from the perspective of we have to please them. But when you're reading a book, this is the example I give. If you're reading a book, you're looking at, you're, the author isn't sitting there writing it, um, thinking about and worrying about every single person reading it. They're writing it because that's in their nature to do it and they want to. It's something, it's something they need to produce. When you do a presentation, it's the same thing. What you're trying to do is draw people in. So if you think about it the other way, so the audience instead is really you're, you're kind of playing with them. You're toying with them. If you're writing a book, you're trying to draw people in. If you're playing music, the same thing. It doesn't matter. If you're a performer, all, all of the things that excite us have peaks and valleys, and we have to play with those. So if you change it from you having to perform to suddenly those individuals are kind of, you're seeing how well you can play with the room. It, it becomes more of a game. So That's for me, so perspective. True. So true. Well, and um, a lot, I got that from a couple of the things you'd taught me forever ago, um, which you had me work on changing my overall perspective on, you know, a lot of things, including just being harsh on myself. There were a lot yeah, of times where you built that. up my confidence because I had none. I, I seemed confident, but I just was not at all. And you kind of saw through that. Yeah, it was bravado, and so I can say this about um, about that too. 
when I used to speak, and I spoke a lot, like sometimes three, four times a week after the book, and I went on a book tour, I could feel, and I know lots of people like me will relate to this. You stand up there and you can feel everybody. You can feel the room. You can, you, you, and you're afraid that you're going to faint simply because the blood is flowing away from the brain to the heart. You can dis, I used to disassociate and I would kind of be able to fake it and get through it. But I was worried I was going to faint or have a heart attack. Never did. But, and I didn't know those techniques then either. But what I would do now is I might make a joke about being nervous or, wow, this is, this is intimidating. Uh, give me a minute. Then I would look up, absolutely get away from the strike. By pushing into it, it's going to make it worse. So you might just look up, take a couple of deep breaths so you're not hyperventilating, have a sip of water, slow the action down when you come back. And over when you're talking, this is a good tip. Over-enunciate your words. Like talk like a reporter um, on CNN or something. You just really talk slower with, with a lot of expression. And that buys you time. Because the actual one of the actual physical reactions is you're in a situation it could be in front of a teacher, it could be a test, it could be a speaking engagement, it could be in front of your family talking at Thanksgiving. Whatever it is, your tendency, once you start to screw up and say the wrong things, is to go faster and to get away from the situation by completing it. Your instincts, God, I want to get through this. That's the worst thing you can do. Instead of going faster, go slower. And again, those oh, eyes are huge looking up it's huge and the breathing is huge and always drink some really don't drink like coke or anything like that which will make it worse drink some water with maybe a little relaxing stuff uh, there's a magnesium supplement called calm interestingly and maybe have that in your water but sip it so you don't get dehydrated and slow it down if you try this it will get better or stay the same at the wor at the worst, but it will not get worse. If I absolutely agree. Yeah, if yep. you go fast, you're screwed. Well, and um, as we had mentioned kind of in our episode, kind of on how we perceive time, I loved how you said, slow it down. If Once you start realizing that all of those people are there, not because you're, you know, sitting there, going to their place and performing no they're actually there to watch you um slow it down enjoy the moment so often i i can't even count how many times i performed and um but, you know presented and never once did i enjoy doing it oh, yeah. and that is one of the biggest regrets i had because i didn't know how i was so focused on perfection and we'll get into perfectionism on a different episode but for me, staying calm has been a long journey. It's taken me a long time. I'm going to be 43 now, and I'd say it's taken me like 41 years. Um, you know, I, I, I think my, my struggles in my life helped because I learned that I couldn't keep fighting. I couldn't, like, stay angry. I just, I don't have the energy. No one does. 
And as soon as I learned to just let some things go, instead of being angry that somebody you know, slides in front of you, take a deep breath. Maybe they are in a rush. Maybe there's an emergency they have to deal with. Give people the benefit of the doubt. Breathe. There's no reason for the rage, the anger. And all of that comes from not just, as you said, right at the very beginning, you know, look up, take a deep breath. You know, meditate if you if you know how to do that. I I definitely love mindfulness and, and just lots of different meditation recipes that you can look up online. Um, and then, you know, I like your uh, looking up. That always helped me. So everyone listening, that I mean, that was something really powerful. It helped. Um, and you know, then sit back and enjoy the ride. Life's here for us to. We get more done when we accept who we are and that's why we don't edit these and we don't we've made mistakes before and stuff and we'll make many more but that's part of life uh, jump into it and um you know the confidence do the work as jeffrey said i love that breathe um and then of course we can jump into anything please write to us uh, if you have questions um we'll we will make short uh, snippets of these as well um, when we take a break for a season um, or you know a couple weeks and I'll start working on those so I have short versions of these as well for people to listen to um, but thank you everyone Jeffrey do you have anything to add before I close up yeah I think we did a nice job okay well it's always uh, an honor and thank you so much for taking your time and sharing this information with people out there those that are listening um, and parents, please feel free to reach out uh, to us. You can find our information uh, and where to reach us on, I think, like on the show notes on Spotify and some of the other ones. Um, and uh, again, please feel free to do so. And don't, don't ever feel shameful that you have to seek uh, help. Um, I liked what Jeffrey said earlier in this episode, which was a learning difference. I like the thinking difference instead of disabled i don't like that word i love that you use that so don't take any shame it's they just have talents that are in different places and that's what you need to focus on um so uh best to everybody thank you so much for listening um we will be back uh in the next week take care bye thank you so much for listening to chaos to cared podcast if you enjoyed the show please share it with everyone you know and definitely like follow and subscribe certainly leave a comment if you'd like let us know what you'd like us to talk about the next time also in our show notes there should be direct links where you can follow us on our social media as well as reach out to us directly thanks again and have a great day The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed on Chaos to Cured podcast are the speaker's own. All discussion is based on our own experiences. We do not and cannot guarantee the accuracy or completeness of any information. Chaos to Cured podcast cannot give medical or health advice. All discussion is based upon our personal experiences and meant for general and educational purposes. This podcast is not a substitute for professional help or for diagnostic purposes for yourself or another. Cast Cured Podcast always encourages you to consult an appropriate professional.